This is Steve D'Agostino. This is Kier Nachado. This is TJ Walker, a.k.a. The Daddy. This is Gino Crandall from the Lester Riders. This is Ramon Fletcher. And you're now tuned in. And you're now tuned in. And you're tuned in to the BBL Show. BBL Show. BBL Show. BBL Show. BBL Show. Okay, welcome to episode 29. I am Jay Marriott. He is Drew Lasker, and we are the BBL Show. Lots to cover this week. Mr. Lasker, good week for your Eagles. Must be a happy man. You see how I'm smiling? You know, I know you listeners, you heard me go on my little soapbox, my <laughs> soliloquy last week, but we bounced back. That's the great thing about sport is that things can change really quickly. And I feel like we got back to the old Eagles, man. So I got a big smile on my face. Yeah, definitely look like the old Eagles. And and you got some really good portits, I think, for doing that last week. So kudos to you. The Druites were out in force this week as Mr. Lasker had a big week on the weekly pitch. You're- they were quiet for a very long time, but just a little glimmer of hope. And they were right there by their man. We know who the favorite is on the show. There's no doubts. Okay. On this week's episode, we are joined by Worcester Wolves star guard, Brandon Anderson, as we talk Ivy League, Wolves, and high IQ BBL ballers. We have the scores and top performers, player of the week nominees, hot topics, the Alaska look back. But first, your social media spy continues his mission. It's the Marriott Minute. Okay, intrigued me. Let's talk league news. Tough news in Scotland, starting with the sad passing of Coach John Grant, a legendary coach who has seen tributes pouring in from all around our league. His most notable product is no other than player coach for the Glasgow Rocks, Gareth Murray. We send our love to the family from all of us at the show. Glasgow Rocks announced immediately after their game today the releasing of US import players Ronald Delph and Christian Keelan, who was also a former guest at the show. Good luck, fellas. Excited to see what's next for you. Where the Rocks right in this move, we'll discuss later. Congratulations to Bristol Flyers head coach Andreas Kapoulos on his 100th win in the BBL, a fantastic achievement. And Mr. Routledge provides us with the league title landscape as Lions lose pace. Five is the magic number now for Leicester Riders. They would need to lose four of the last eight games to even give teams the slightest of chances. A team that has only lost three in the last 22. Is it a wrap? We shall see. Okay, engage me. Congratulations to here Hajat on the announcement of a second patter of little feet entering the family. Exciting and sleepless times come into the Hajat family. Staying with Tahir, his tweet floating the possibility of having the general and Mo Walker back to the playoffs will have teams waking up in a cold sweat. Wow. William Lee's dunk called off in the Flyers game caused quite a storm. Someone staying was the call an illegal use of bounce. Chris Bigley going in on Twitter saying you'll never have a league worth it if you have refs waving off highlight plays for nothing. We'll get Drew's thoughts on that later in the show. Okay, amuse me. Some fun beefs this week, starting with Ant Rowe being trolled by great friend and former teammate Barry Lamble, pointing out that he spelt Connor Washington's name wrong when giving high praise despite 
playing with him for a number of years. Big Tone, though, with a master comeback as he highlighted that primary school teachers are always marking things. The GOAT, Daniel Routledge, after me again as I tried to catch up on the latest London Lions beef, calling me out for not always watching. He got me there. And finally, Mr. Lasker announcing on Twitter his latest nightmare. Mark Wood of MVP 24-7 podcast was apparently a tattoo artist adding a tattoo of Dirk Nowitzki and Jason Terry celebrating their 2011 NBA Finals win. Whatever works for you, Mr. Lasker. Pete, hopefully you know what to do. And that completes this week's Marriott Minutes. Always watching, most of the time. Thanks, Jay, for that silky voice of the Marriott Minute. And by the way, I woke up terrified because, again, <laughs> I know you're the tat guy. You tatted up, but I have clean skin. And to have my first tattoo as a bunch of guys on my arm and my back was not a good look especially from dallas and our producer corey he's listening in and saying yeah i can't do that he was was on that right away oh i knew he would be of course (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but moving along to league action and ballers of the week League action begins in Wednesday in Morningside Arena where the Riders look to take another step towards the league title against the Cheshire Phoenix, who are quickly climbing up the table. NBA pulled out all the tricks for this one, but not even a through-the-leg fake wasn't enough as Riders won by holding the Phoenix to three points in the fourth quarter, lowest since 2015, suffocating the Cheshire Phoenix, 82-70. Haran with a career-high 19 points and five rebounds. Also note that Karan Ross exited early with a foot injury and Gino Crandell was in street clothes. Over in Manchester where the Giants host Jordan Williams and the Wolves, the Lloyd Gardner era got off to a great start as they tamed the Wolves 97-90. Sam Cassell Jr. with 27 points and 5 assists. First game shooting over 50% since February 7th. Friday night lights over in Newcastle where the Eagles take on the newly crowned trophy winning London Lions. The Eagles get back to old ways and back on track with a huge win over the Lions as they suffer a trophy hangover as Liggins is ejected within the first five minutes of this contest. Cortez Edwards records a triple-double finishing with 10 points, 14 rebounds, and 12 assists. Eagles win in 109-95. Bristol handles the slumping Wolves on the road, 82-62. Eric Lockett with 16, 8, and 4. Across the border in Glasgow, where I made the bold pick in choosing the Rocks over the Giants. Hallelujah. As the Rocks held their end of the bargain with back-to-back wins at home after shooting over 50% from the three and the field, including 90% from the line as they go on to win 104-94. Ronald Dell finishes with the Rocks' third 30-double-double in the last 10 years, finishing with 32-18. and 18. Our Sky feature game takes us to the southwest in Plymouth where the Sharks made the long trek. Ricky McGill says have a nice journey as they continue to roll, finishing with 21 points, 6 assists, and 6 rebounds as the Raiders bounce back from their trophy defeat in 
Saturday night takeout in Bristol as the Riders continue their league pursuit minus the general. But Connor Washington says, who needs a general when you got a captain? And he backed it up, leading the Riders to a 72-62 victory. In the meantime, ties his career high in efficiency at 29, third best in scoring with 22, second best in rebounding with nine, and sets a career high in field goals made with nine, all while playing 40 minutes. Take a bow, sir. Sunday action. London hosting the Wolves as both teams looking to bounce back in the nation capital. Ligging, sitting on the bike, never checking into this game for whatever reason. Trouble in London, perhaps. As the Lions go down 84-72, Jordan Williams finishes with a monster game of 23 points, 11 rebounds, and 6 assists. Surrey make the long trip to Glasgow. But a little less extravagant than the Lions as Creon made the tough call to travel by coach. No problem as Surrey on the rise with two in a row defeating the Rocks 99-83. Tony Hicks goes off with 31 points, 5 rebounds, and 7 assists. Newcastle Eagles travel up the road to the unmanned Phoenix as Karan Ross sits with a foot injury. Eagles take care of business 103-87 as Justin Gordon returns to form with 24 points and 6 assists. Finally in Manchester, Plymouth raised the Giants, blowing them away 101-80. Ricky McGill making a late MVP push, finishing with 23 points and 12 assists. And that wraps up this week's League's Action. If you are enjoying this episode of the BBL Podcast, support us on Patreon. Every contribution helps to fulfill our mission to distribute content that educates and inspires. Gifts of any size make a positive difference and are always appreciated. Man, great round of action right there. And I have to say, this is arguably the best Player of the Week nominees statistics that we have seen this season. We have had to pick six. That is right, six to avoid the trolls coming out and picking on us. We are going to let you, the fans, vote for this one. And here we go. Tony Hicks, Surrey Scorch's man, 31 points, five rebounds, seven assists for a 34 index. I think that was impressive. Ronald Delph has got you. Glasgow Rocks, 32 points, 18 rebounds, a 40 mm. index as the man says goodbye to Scotland. Connor Washington coming in, as he said, replacing the general. 22 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists for a 29 index. Jordan Williams, Worcester Wolves big man, comes up big. 23 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists for a 32 index. We go Eagles all the way. Ramon Fletcher with 26 points, 4 rebounds, 14 assists for a 36 index. And his running mate, Cortez Edwards, says, whatever you can do, I can do better with a triple-double. Finally, a triple-double, 10 points, 14 rebounds, 12 assists for a 31 index. Terrific depth in our Player of the Week nominees. Good luck trying to pick through that, fans. There are a lot of big numbers. If I was being a heartfelt man, I would probably give Ronald Delph the send-off that he needs but a lot of stats for you guys to troll through. Okay, here we go. It's time to ride the velvety tones of the Alaska Look Back. 
In this episode of the Alaska Look Back, we go scholar as I share some of the names to grace our league from some of the most prestigious universities in America. When you hear someone is attending an Ivy League school, respect is automatically granted. The Ivy League schools are primarily located in the northeast part of the country. The eight schools in this elite club are Brown, Harvard, Cornell, Princeton, Dartmouth, Yale, Columbia, and the University of Pennsylvania. Each of these schools carry its own unique accomplishments and reputation with a very selective admissions process that have seen some of the United States' most recent presidents, such as Bill Clinton, George Bush, and Barack Obama. However, don't sleep on this league from an athletic standpoint as some ballers have come through, including 13 guys that have played in the British Basketball League, including most recently Lester Ryder's Corey Johnson from Harvard, Darian Nelson Henry from Penn, and fan favorite, remember this guy? Tyler Bernardini from Penn as well. We got Surrey's own Tony Hicks, who also attended Penn University. I have the pleasure of suiting up with Plymouth Raiders' Andreas Schreiber, who also attended the University of Penn. Newcastle has also had a few Princeton. Newcastle has also had a few in Princeton's Kareem Maddox and Brown University's Damon Huffer. Eric Moore from Penn, Alton Bird from Columbia, Eugene Ba from Princeton, Kurt Krekko from Dartmouth, all-time great John McCord went to Cornell, and finally our guest, Brandon Anderson, comes from Brown University. All you have to do is look at Brandon's resume, as he's an intern at Merrill Lynch, J.P. Morgan, and even shadowed the AD at Howard University. But this can wait because Brandon is a baller and has an even brighter future as a professional basketball player. And that is your Alaska look back. Man, great. LL as usual, Mr. Alaska. Did you miss Cody Topper off that list? Cornell Ooh. University? Oh, I did. Oh, I, oh, I, I caught him slipping right there. I'm man, sorry. The hey. obvious one as well. And I practice, <laughs> I practice with them as well, Cody. That's your boy. Great oh, dude. yeah. Love Cody Topper. We'll get him a shout out right here. Mr. Lasker, make it up to you. We'll, we'll send you a T-shirt. Okay. You, Let's get our guest in the room. Former Brown University star guard and now Worcester Wolves, Mr. Free Throw, Brandon Anderson. Welcome to the show, Brandon. How are you? I'm good. Thank you guys for having me. Welcome in, young fella. Good to have you today, my man. Time to get going. So let's have a little talk around Ivy League, okay? So for those unfamiliar uh, with these schools, is a, they are eight group of elite colleges with connotations of academic excellence, selectivity in admissions, and social elitism. So Brandon attended Brown University, which is in one of those schools in that Ivy League. So in other words, we are in the presence of a smart young man. So... Sure. I believe you played with a player I worked with at junior college level, a great guy on and off the court, Zach Hunsaker. Is that right? Yep, that's my guy right there, Zach. Man, one very, very good dude. So uh, am I right in thinking that he's not playing pro anywhere? Yeah, no, he's he's done now. But, you know, he had, a, he had a good career with us. He came in, like, as soon as he transferred in, he was named a captain. So he's a great dude. But, yeah, he, he hung up his sneakers now. 
Man, that is an absolute crime. And if there's any BBO teams that want to tease him out, he is one hell of a player. But um, when he was at junior college, actually, the really good thing was he was always keen to try and improve as a leader. So I'm really glad to hear that he kind of went in there and was able to be a captain. That's great news. For sure. It's crazy. Basketball is just a, such a small world. And you'll see over your, the course of your career, Brandon, like you'll run into someone that you guys that know someone mutually is just uh it's crazy how small the basketball world is but speaking of social elitism your resume blew me away uh you have experience under merrill lynch jp morgan and even shadowed the ad at howard university with a degree at brown university in business and entrepreneurship i'm curious to what does life after basketball look like for you because the future is bright my man Honestly, I haven't given it too, too much thought. Like, I've just been so locked in on basketball and trying to improve. And, you know, I'm hoping I can make this my career forever. But, you know, I'll definitely branch out into other things. I probably want to stay in sports somehow, like the business side of sports, probably basketball. You know, that would be what I would hope for. So something with sports, something with business and basketball, trying to figure out that balance. That'd be really good. I don't want to downplay your CV slightly, but what I will say to any of those businesses listening, especially basketball clubs, so scheduling could be an issue. We are here Saturday afternoon. Brandon was supposed to be with us Thursday evening and he forgot. <laughs> An Ivy Leaguer <laughs> forgot. His scheduling is a little bit off, but we'll, hey, let, him, uh, it's, we'll, it just we'll let him get away. Show, it just goes to show, Jay, that they're human too, even though we exactly. look at Ivy League guys. On this level, they're human beings as well. I'm, I'm just messing with Brandon. We're just glad to have him here, but I, I couldn't resist. As Drew knows, I can't resist a, a, little, a little ribbing. You know, my bad on that one. My bad <laughs> oh, on that good. one. Um, okay, so let's go. What's the Wolves time? Okay, so uh, I love Coach Newby and his style of basketball. Tell me about how you have found it so far working with him. Uh, it's been great. You know, like we got here a little bit late in January, but he made it easy for me to fit in. He just always reminded me, you got to stay aggressive. You got to attack. And that, that's what we brought you in for. Make other people better. Make yourself better. Really just being aggressive has been what's helped me so far. And then, you know, it's tough off the court. You can't really hang out with the guys too much. But just when I'm in the gym and when we can be around each other, just like building relationships with the guys on the team. Uh, I live with Fresh and Mika, and those are like two of my best friends. It kind of feels like college living with them. We're both first year. We all live together. It kind of feels like when I was back in college last year. So the adjustments hasn't been too bad at all. And I'm enjoying it a lot. No, that's good. And I, I think you, you bring up a really good point. And I think this is something that our listeners really enjoy is getting that behind the scenes. But I think it's always interesting is from a social media perspective, you know, we talk about performances. Yeah. So wins and losses is what basketball is all about. But this season in particular, just people, are, I don't think, have taken into consideration just how hard this situation is, you know? So for the Wolves, for example, and it's not making excuses for anyone because Coach Newby wouldn't want me to be that way, but mm -hmm. you guys come in late. You're not allowed to spend time with each other as a team as such unless it's in practice environments. So Drew will tell you that, you know, the integration of any of the great teams that he's been on has been the social element. So everybody doesn't have to be best friends, but everyone making a commitment to get to know each other, that kind of element doesn't exist. You know, so I can imagine, especially in environments, if you're dropping a few games and stuff like that and trying to analyze it, it's done in a very strange way this year, don't you think? Yeah, 100%. Like you were saying, the best teams that I've played on, we've, we've always had a connection. Like, 
outside of basketball. And it's, we've, we've been doing that as a team, but it's just a little bit harder. And then it makes it a little bit harder when you come in late. And like you said, if you drop a few games, it makes everything a little bit harder. But Coach Newby's doing a good job of keeping us connected and um, keeping our heads straight going into the games and stuff. So, Well, what I've been saying is that with our teammates who are new, like Cortez Edwards, Justin Gordons, those guys, like, I don't feel like I really know them because like you just mentioned, Jay, like usually, you know, a couple times a, a month we're out on the town or we go out for dinner or whatever the case is, like, I haven't seen these guys in an environment off the court, which we know, like everybody's a little bit different off the court. So it's weird. You have, we've had to be a creative in that regard. Like coach Mack has done a good job with like a couple times after practice, like he's ordered some pizza there and we've sat as a team and ate. So little stuff like that. But uh, like you said, it's just been, it's just been tough. It's been difficult, but I guess the silver lining is, is that everybody is pretty much in the same boat this season. Yeah, exactly. No, can't really make any excuses. Everyone's going through the same thing. Everyone's going through hard times. So, yeah, and and also I'm keen to point out that it's a blessing to get to play basketball as well. So for those people that maybe are listening and thinking, "Hey, I'm I'm locked down as well, and families and things like that," but we're just talking from a team perspective how much that can alter things this season. But um, we spoke earlier in the season on here about the cavalry which was you as import players coming in and lifting this Wolves team. It didn't click right away, but that's really turned around. What were the early struggles that you guys found coming in? Was it just trying to find that chemistry and feel each other out or other things? Yeah, I would say just trying to find that chemistry, figure each other out, and then just like adjusting to the speed again. We haven't played a game since March. So we were just adjust- like, you know, you can play pickup here and there, but it's hard to do that when you're at home. You want to social distance and stuff. So just getting used to the speed of the game again, learning plays, figuring out everyone's play style. But we're starting to get into that now, and I feel like we're about to hit our stride going into the playoffs. So uh, That's great. And I, I think from, from what I saw, I think you adjusted the quickest. You know, I think you came in and you made a real impact right away. And, and then over time, we've got to know those other players. You know, so as you mentioned, Kimball, you know, it's really got going lately and, and, and had some great games. Mike Parks, you know, he's he's really started coming in with the with the double-doubles and stuff. I know there's been a few up and downs recently. You had a great run and now a few few up and downs, but there's a lot of games coming. What do you think you have in store for teams moving into these playoffs? What do you think is going to be a positive for you guys? I would just say, like, our effort. I feel like our success is all dependent on the effort that we put in in practice and in game. So I feel like that's our biggest area of improvement is like being, staying together, connected and everyone giving effort. Cause when we play hard, we had a, a nice little stretch like a week or two ago when everyone was playing super hard. And like, I feel like that team with so much talent and that effort, like would be super hard to beat. So just trying to maintain the effort. Um, that'll, that'll be what we'll have going forward. That'll get us over the hump. Yeah. And like Jay mentioned before the cavalry, as we say, arrived. The Wolves were struggling, but one thing that we were consistently confident in is, is that the team was still playing very well without poor Americans. And then they bring you guys in, and I personally feel that your injection is really what changed the Wolves' of fortune. And I remember watching you single-handedly lead a fourth-quarter charge against Surrey a while back. And in a moment, I was like, Damn, that's how I used to hoop. In particular, 
the ability to get to the line. So I had to look it up. So courtesy of Dan Routledge, I was top three in the span from 2006 to 2008 in free throw attempts. But firstly, what were you doing in 2006? 2006? <laughs> I don't even know. I was probably just learning how to shoot a free throw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, so basically it was a long time ago. But yeah. I was actually writing my assessment because currently you're third in the league in attempts behind Gino Crandell and Ashley Hamilton. And so it's no fluke as you left Brown University fifth all time with 431 attempts. Uh, my question is, what is your mindset when attacking? I really just, I, I feel like I have a really quick first step. So I try and use my first step to my advantage and then get in the lane. And then whatever happens, happens. Like it may be a kick out, it may be a layup, floater, or a foul. So when I was younger, I was I remember a coach told me like one of the best things about my game is that I should be living at the free throw line. And I always yeah. keep that in my mind. And that's why like I shoot so many free throws. I remember at one point, in college, I was like first in the NCAA and free throw attempts and made free throws. So, yeah, just get into the line, easy way to get points. And they say the best score is score when the clock's not moving. So try and get some free throws in. I love it. You know what, Drew? I do love that comparison, actually. To um, So I, I've been a teammate of Drew's as well. I've been fortunate to see him in his prime, to, which was a, a, a special thing. And I think you, you both had a very similar mindset in that regard is like attacking the rim, and really letting that be the fuel of everything else that's going on. So that, you know, there's other guys out there that have other um, buttons to push, I think. But Hamilton's a good one as well. I really like the fact that when you see him struggling in games, what does he do? He gets himself a little closer to the basket. He starts getting himself to the line. He's mm -hmm. a very, very intelligent guy. So, you know. I'd, and even, I mean, speaking on Hamilton, I mean, the, the finals is a prime example. He went 0 for 4, whatever that was for the field but still scored eight points because he got to the line, you know, eight times. So, um, you know, you, you're right. Yeah, it's a, I think it's, a, it's an important skill, that's for sure. And, and I think that leads us nicely into our little finale. We're, we're going to finish off. We're going to play a little game. And this is genuinely off the cuff. I haven't spent any time really thinking about it, but we have an Ivy Leaguer here. So let's try and select between us. We will be your able assistants, Brandon, and we'll see if we can come up with something. Of the players, we feel show the highest basketball IQ. So right now, we are giving away five scholarships to the BBL show University. Let's be clear on some rules. Mike Tuck has set a tone for us here on the show. So he has selected himself before. <laughs> so, you know, that's up for grabs if you want to do that, Brandon. This is positionless. So we don't have to pick a PG all the way to a big. Let's give it a try. Is that, has anyone got a name to throw right out there? Well, I'll let Brandon go first. I know one that comes out immediately, but I'll let you go first. You got it? I'll go with my first pick is Fletch on your team. Ooh. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I, I like I like the way he plays. I think he has – the way he sees the floor, like even if he's not going offensively, he's still getting everybody involved. That takes a lot of IQ. So I'm, I'll, he's my first pick. Do we, yeah. do, I mean, he, do we all know care I mean, getting a, just speaking on flesh, getting to practice with him every day, and you know we've been teammates for six, seven years now. That you're writing an assessment like he can play any type of role yeah. in the point guard position, you know, which is very difficult to do, by the way. So you know he can go from being passive as far as scoring and getting his teammates involved all game, and I and the London game, which was on Sky, which was the first Sky game this year. 
comes to mind. Remember, he scored 17 points in the fourth quarter after scoring four points through the first three quarters and just having that ability to just say, okay, if we're going to win this game, then I need to turn it on and recognizing that and then doing so. Exactly. I think when, when we played you guys, I think he met, he was in like foul trouble the whole game, but he was still like when he was in, it was like he was playing with no fouls. He was throwing dimes. I was like, okay, that's that's next level IQ. Like I could just see it. So, Yeah. And, and to follow that up, I got to go with the general, Gino Crandell. Like, I mean, we've had him here on the show and, you know, I've seen I can't remember off the top of my head the, the, the show that, he, that he's doing on, on Twitter as far as the breakdown show, but just listening to him speak, you can tell he's an intelligent guy. And when we had his coach on here, Robbie P. from Leicester, that's all he talked about was just how incredibly intelligent he was and how he's involved in the scouting report. And you can see it just out there on the floor. I mean, he would compliment himself. Remember, he had the sounds of the game, and he was like, damn, I'm good. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, you got, we definitely got to put Gino up in there. Yeah, the, the general goes in there. And what I will say as well is, uh, is I was a little bit skeptical because players that I've seen come in this league with that kind of flash and panache that he had in preseason that he was using, I was thinking, I think he might frustrate Rob quite a bit, you know, because yeah. he seemed to go through those spells where he's doing his own, he was in his own lane. And that, like, honestly, like, it, from my perspective, I've just seen him, he's got better and better and better. And Coach Rob said it himself. He knows that there's levels in there. And, and Gino said it himself. He wants to come here to be pushed to that next level as well. So I agree with that pick. I, I knew you were going to go General Gino right there. So I had to. I had that's, to. A, that, that, that's a good pick. So I'm going to throw one out. So this is one of my favorites. And this is a teammate of yours, Brandon. Okay. I'm going Marty B. Okay. Martin Bountneck. Holy um, Everything about him just oozes intelligent. I like the way he controls the flow. He thrives in Coach Newby's offense. You know, he loves it. He knows it inside and out. When he gets the ball in his hands, I feel like he's going to make a great decision. And also, he he's another guy that's got that little flash in his packet as well, which kind of, you know, brings a smile, little behind-the-back pass or little cheeky moves. So, Brandon, what do you think about that pick? That's a great pick. I feel like that. That's I agree with everything you said. Like just when I came here, he's the one who showed me like in in this type of play. You know, this is the play, but there's another opening here when they cheat the play. Just little things like that. Some of his pocket passes and the reads that he makes off ball screen. That just little things like the angles that he'll take off a ball screen because he's not the fastest or the quickest, but he'll always get to his spot. So, you know, he has a different level of intelligence. Even the behind the back passes, things like that. It's just you know, he's always pulled something out his sleeve where I'm just like, wow. But I picked Marty too. Marty's on my list for sure. But but one thing that hasn't been mentioned, and I'll mention it now, is Marty B has to be one of the most improved players in the league. Obviously, Brandon, you weren't here last season, but Cortez Edwards was there. So you didn't really get to see Marty B a lot. And, you know, with him and your guy at Plymouth, Ubiaro, I think it's a toss-up and, you know, most improved play out of the year. I mean, I didn't think that Marty B had that in him. And I remember the last time we played you guys and Defoe was chatting a little noise to him from the sideline. And just he was just poised and, you know, knocking down shots, turning that D and just looking just like I got this. And I was like, man, this dude got so much better. But, you know, to add on to that, not only has he gotten better, he he's intelligent as well. Yeah, for sure. Have we got any other names to throw out here? Let's just let's just throw them out. 
we're, we're, we're pretty concurred on these three, and I'm aware that they're point guards. Do we have any other positions that might might be smart? Um, I was thinking I was going to name another point guard. Go on, go on. Uh, Dusha on Plymouth. LVC. Okay. Uh, yeah. By the way, you probably didn't see it, Brandon, but did you see that left hand hook pass to the corner to Will Neighbor last night? He made in the fourth quarter. Oh no, I didn't my see that. gosh! He's, he's had another he had one. He's in. had another one of them earlier in the year as well. Like he he pulls out some passes. I get. I think. Sick. I think for me, like I'll give you a reason why I really really like that pick. So I've known LVC since he came into the league. So I was recruiting him to try and come to Plymouth and play with us. And at the time, he was he was with Surrey. So Surrey were, um, you know, uh, bottom of the league, but he was the captain. He was playing. He was starting. He was playing, you know, 38, 40 minutes a game. With Plymouth, I wanted him to come and play a role, not necessarily definitively as a backup, but it, it was a different role for him. So we kind of went back and forth for a while. And then I think he he went through this spell of change of, of expectations of what he wanted him for himself. And this is what I think you see now in him is he understands like he wants to win. He's completely adapted his game because I've seen him playing GB under 21s and stuff like that, where he was a real lights out shooter. I mean, elite level shooter. And he's really kind of changed and, and, and sort of dialed that back in to make sure he gets other guys going. And that's what I love about him in Plymouth right now is you've got Ricky McGill that especially the last month has started turning up the heat on an MVP conversation and then you, when things are starting to get a little bit out of control, a little bit out of flow, that's where we start to see LVC come in and he starts to really steady the ship. So I kind of like that pick. What do you think, Drew? Yeah, I definitely agree. He's, he's, I look at him as Plymouth's uh, safety net. And before McGill got here, and you talk about being able to wear those different hats, he was the most important piece to Plymouth to be able to hold down that fort and particularly going seven and one in that cup group stage without McGill with him playing 30 plus minutes and without him even scoring much he's just great at controlling the game getting the ball to the right players hands and now it was floated around about how would Dusha adjust to being relegated to the bench because obviously when McGill came to town we knew that would be his role and you talk about that maturity you know he handled it very well which you know, probably four or five years ago, he didn't handle it well because he's just like, hey, we're winning. I'm playing well. Why do I need to go to the bench? But that's that comes all in experience and always focus on the bigger picture. But if we throw another player in there and we go non-point guard, I mean, I got to go with the obvious. I got to go with a point forward, and that's DeAndre Liggins. And you see it. I mean, you saw it in the, cup, uh, the trophy finals. Brandon, you was there as well. Like, Coming off the ball screen, I mean, he's up there in the, one of the top guys as far as making the right read every single time. And not only does he make the right read, he's so long. He's six seven. He has long arms. He can make any angle pass that's required. He can make that pass to the corner like we saw with Dusha. Or, you know, he can make any type of pass, and he can score it as well. And the most impressive thing about him is, I can't think of a player at the top of my head that's been that talented, that skilled with that type of resume that is totally content with scoring 12 points. Like he is okay with that. Long as they get the win, he'll have, you know, eight or nine assists and he'll have about six or seven rebounds. And he is cool with that. And that is one thing that you rarely see with Americans, especially Americans of that talent level. So I got to go with Liggins. And then on top of that, 
he played with LeBron James, one of the smartest players to ever step foot on a basketball court. So I would like to think that he was able to uh, take something from the King. Yeah, Brandon, you, you, you kind of matched up against him and I'm sure at times have, uh, have ended up in, in situations where you're guarding him. What, what do you think about uh, DeAndre Liggins? Uh, I think, like, just watching him play, I think, like you were just saying, the best part of his game is he just always makes the right basketball play, whether that's, like, shooting the ball, passing it, drawing a foul. He's always making the right play, and that's, like, something you definitely have to appreciate, even if he's only finishing with 15 points. He sees that it's much deeper than just scoring the ball, and that's why, you know, London just took home a trophy. Yeah, I told this story a couple of times on the pod when uh, Coach Vince came and joined us. I loved the, the this kind of story he gave us about these early season uh, troubles him and uh, DeAndre Liggins were having. So they weren't falling out, but it was this opinion of what being the leader was. And his feeling around that leadership was that Liggins thought that Coach Vince wanted him to score 30-odd points every night. And Coach Vince's interpretation of what he was asking him to do was be exactly who he is. And what, once they started to figure out that, and, and I've looked at it a couple of times, there is a real direct correlation in the body language and the confidence that he started to exude and the form of those London Lions when he kind of made that decision and clicked into the gear where he is perfectly comfortable, like you said, just being a high IQ guy rather than just trying to take over games. What we have seen, though, is we saw in the finals recently – Towards the end of the game, yes, he got fouled out, but towards the end of the game, the ball was in his hands. The last three or four possessions where he said, it's, it's time for me to take some leadership and take him, take him through to that championship. So I, I like it. Lost his head a little bit uh, last night, but we'll, um, we'll give him a whole pass and maybe being a little bit too high from those finals. Now, I want to very quickly throw in a sixth man into that equation if you look at things completely differently. So my name that I would throw out there is Gareth Murray. Why would I throw him out is, one, I have coached the guy and he is high-level IQ basketball player. One of my favorite guys to work with in terms of his ability to take on information and process that and action that quickly. You know, I think that that is a skill. I think that's a huge skill that can determine how fast or quickly you can get your team together. But then also he's coaching right now as well. So not only is he trying to manage his own game, He's trying to coach a very young roster at the same time. Drew has been around it with Coach Fab, and I've I've asked him many a time if he if player coaching is in his uh, in his realms, and he has told me exactly the same answer every time, which is what Drew. Hell to no, <laughs> <laughs> no sir. I mean, but yeah, that's a good call because that is a very difficult task and you don't know him Brandon but our former coach Fab Florina who's now is assistant with the Toronto Raptors he did it in Newcastle we're the most winningest club in BBL history and he was able to play 25 plus minutes and coach high level coaching and he's one of the smartest guys I've ever been around so Gareth even attempting to put on those shoes says something about his mindset but I'm interested to hear from you Brandon when you first came in the league and you heard the Glasgow Rocks, and they had a player who not only played, but also coached. What were your first thoughts? It was like, I didn't even know that was a real thing. I didn't know <laughs> a player coach was an actual thing. I thought that was like extinct in basketball. But no, I can I can definitely tell just like hearing conversations that he has with the guys on the court that like his IQ is 
next level. And just like seeing him, like there's games where he'll take over and he'll do what he has to do in the fourth quarter to get his team a win. Or maybe that's like subbing himself out and just being a coach for the rest of the game. Like that's like different level. So I, that's I a big that. call, right? That is a big call. A you've got a temper. You got to temper your ego with the fact that you're the coach and bench yourself. You've got to just give the ultimate kudos to that. And I, and I think somebody, a shout out, somebody who would have made that conversation, I think, is Andrew Lawrence, which is a shame that we're not, haven't seen him yet. And maybe I'm still really holding out that we might, might see him come playoff time. But again, I can't imagine that being any more than 67% of the version of him. But yeah, but some other names I want to throw out just as, um, you know, safety net. Well. We don't want to get. <laughs> Well, I mean, he was our last guest, and that's NBA. You know, I saw him on the Skycom yesterday. He did a great job. And then on here, I was so impressed about his basketball knowledge, knowing the intricacies of that trophy final. And so, and then also him on the court, he's played, you know, 20-plus clubs or something like that. And, you know, he knows his stuff. And I'll just say a scouting report to all the big men out there with NBA. Stop going for that pump. He's going to pump fake it twice before he shoots it. So stop going for it. But yeah, NBA also, uh, there is the foe defensively. Like, oh, Mr. 26. Yeah. Yeah, Mr. 26. People don't realize this, but he is a wizard on the defensive end. Like, he really is intelligent uh, defensively. And, uh, you know, Corey Johnson as well, playing off the ball, knowing how to move to the right spot. He kind of reminds me of J.J. Redick a little bit. So those are just a few names I want to throw out there as well. Yeah, there's there's going to be a few that are going to come back and haunt us. I'm aware of this because we're just doing it off the fly. We have to give Mr. Tuck his, his props for what he brings to the Sheff- Sheffield Sharks. Again, another really highly intelligent basketball player. And as he's getting towards the the former years of his his career, he's tr- he's finding ways to still play at an elite level of basketball. So so kudos to him, Mr. Lasker himself as well. You know this guy is getting on a few years. He looks he looks younger than he is, which makes me uh, highly jealous. Yeah, we won't we won't tell you we won't tell him your age, man. You know, but on the low, yeah, forty five is no age. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but uh, you know you you have to. The reason why I give you that kind of title, Drew, is because you've had to go through so many different versions of yourself. And we've seen it, if we throw an NBA player, like Allen Iverson, for example, wasn't able to figure out what was after the kind of prime time for him. It's hard, you know, and you've had to figure out, you've gone from, you know, coming in as like a a young, impactful rookie into the league, then going into pretty much a full-blooded star, into then coming into a, a role player on a, on a championship team. And now you're, you're like in this like mentorship role with the club that is also like a, a, a transition period for you. So we'd have to chuck your name in there. Sadly, I, I hate being nice to you, but it's, uh, it's, it's got to be done sometimes. Appreciate that, Lou, Jay. Appreciate it. I know. So, Brandon, listen, that, that's been great fun. We'll, we'll probably get some kind of a fun graphic up about that. Before you go, like... What's been the the hardest thing for you to have to adjust to over here? You know, again, it's a very different conversation because without the pandemic, we'd love to make it a little bit more fun and ask you what what little uh, home comforts you're not able to get hold of and things like that. But what what have you kind of found the most challenging being here? Outside of basketball, I would say driving, just like driving to practice (laughs) on the other side of the road, the steering wheels on the other side of the car. That's like, that was weird for me. I kept feeling like I was about to crash into somebody or yeah. I don't know, but that was definitely the toughest part. And I'm used to driving automatic using stick shift. 
or manual, I guess it's called. That was tough for me too. Are you so, the driver of the house? Uh, me and Mika take turns. So like 50% of the time. So no Kimball. Kimball don't touch it. He just says nah. Nah, he doesn't drive. <laughs> he just works on his in-game floaters to win the game. That's what exactly. he's doing. Exactly. I'm sure nobody on the team. Floaters, he don't have to drive to practice. <laughs> Nobody's complaining and working on those things. But uh, hey, hopefully you, you uh, get a little bit more confident with that driving. But this has been great fun. I'm sure we'll uh, touch bases before the end of the season. Have a great run going into these playoffs. That's what it's all about is form going into those playoffs. And we'll speak to you soon, Brandon. Thanks for your time. All right. Cool. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Okay. Great slot right there from Brandon Anderson. Great to have him on the show. We are on to hot topics. Okay. I'm just going to go off piece just a little bit. London Lions. What do you think about their performances since getting their hands on the trophy? It's the all-time cup trophy hangover, and we've seen it many, many times in this league, and it's really, really tough. I know we talked to Brandon about it as well. It's very difficult for Americans to grasp because in America, it's just about the playoffs. That's it. You don't have these other competitions within the season and so it's really awkward because these games are normally held on a Sunday from going to the ultimate high. And as you saw on my story when we celebrated the cup, as you guys saw with London, how they celebrated that victory, you put in so much time with these guys every day. You're, you see these guys more than your family. So when you get an opportunity to be on the top of the mountain, it's exhilarating. And so you kind of let out all those emotions. And then two days later, you got to go back to practice and prepare for Surrey Scorchers or Bristol Flyers. So it's weird to come from that big of a high to get back locked in to business as usual. And if you guys remember to our listeners, we had the road to the finals and we had the Legends edition. And, and most of those guys talked about that. TJ Walker and, and Jay Kuznar talked about how trying to flip your mindset to having a game a couple days later is very difficult. So surprise, no, not at all. But you and I talked off air. I knew it would go two different ways. It would either lock London in and they would say, okay, the monkey's off the back. We could play with a little bit more freedom because we got a trophy in the cabinet. And now we could just go all out for the playoffs and try to see if we could sneak in and win the league. Or you would see this version of London. So it's no surprise. It was going to be one or the other. Unfortunately, it's been this version of the London Lions, which I'm sure Vince McCauley is pretty frustrated about. Do you think it's just a few disappointing losses or is there a little bit more into it? Obviously, there is a little bit of social media noise going around. A few people making it, um, some suggestions. Kevin Ware putting out a tweet. People reading into that a little bit. A few people making some noises about Liggins and riding his bike. Is this concerning for the London Lions or is this just a drop in performance from that was maybe expected from you? Well, for our London Lions fans out there, they better hope that it's just a drop in performance because if there's smoke behind this fire and it's more to the story, because also what success brings inflated egos. And if there's something else behind the scenes, the London Lions are in trouble because the playoffs are literally six, seven weeks away. And as personal as those tweets seem, and I don't want to jump the gun, I don't want to assume, mm -mm. but if they are, then 
it's not enough time to come back from that airing out your laundry on social media. Yeah. So fire behind the smoke. Is that right? Is that what you yeah. meant? Yeah. However you say it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, late, say, so I, I'm saying it now because somebody's going to say it, right? So yeah, I may as well. but, but credit, <laughs> the listeners don't know that it's 1230 a.m. And you and I in a saddle recording this show. But hey, no excuses, right? Just like the London Lions, we said no excuses. No excuses when you and I sit in this seat. This, this is what we do. This is the sacrifices we make to bring you, hopefully, a good show. Okay, so away from the London Lions, they're big news. We have to talk about them. So I thought we, we would throw that in and, and let's just see what happens going into those playoffs. As crazy as it seems, is one trophy enough? For the money spent on this London Lions team, we shall see. Let's not, again, like I said, let's not jump the gun. A couple of bad performances. We will keep an eye. Okay, William Lee's dunk waved off by the refs in the Bristol Flyers game. Did you get to see it, Drew? I did. What man? William Lee seems like he has a monkey dunk every week, right? Oh, like incredible. Obviously, you heard me in the Marriott minute talking from one of the guys, Chris Bigley, on Twitter, giving that brutal assessment. What do you think about what he said there? Because, you know, whilst I may not agree with the tone of the tweets, I do maybe agree with the sentiment. What do you think? I totally agree with you. I think his tweet was a little bit aggressive, but the point behind the tweet, I think he's kind of spot on, especially now where this league is moving. We keep talking about there's a new era in the British Basketball League with the TV deal with Sky in place and all of this content surrounding the league with podcasts and BBL Fix and D's Reels, all these great guys out there. And you got to feed them. You got to, I mean, <laughs> it, it's tough. But on the other hand, and I'm going to put my Nigel hat on because I want everybody who watched London Lions game, it seemed like Nigel say this every week. You know, I'm not, I'm not a referee, but you know, I, you got to let him play. You know, I mean, but, but I'm not a referee. You know, I, 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 so their, their job is tough, but you know, I'm with Nigel on this one. Like, you got to let that go. You got to let these guys play. And to be fair, I couldn't see where the offensive foul was. But again, I'm not a ref. You know, I'm not qualified. You know, but <laughs> come on, man. Like, let it go. Yeah. I mean, Look, I, I'm going to risk the wrath of Dave Forrester because he, he's come at me a couple of times on Twitter with uh, with these kind of things. There's a couple of rules uh, that, that I think that we should just stretch just a little bit just for the continuity of the game. And, uh, and yeah. I think that that is travels in certain areas, sort of that catch and go move or the jab mm-hmm. move. I think just sometimes just let it go and let, unless it's ridiculously obvious. And then the other thing is that they're calling a lot this year is that big man sprinting up to the screen. And again, I think unless it's something big, obvious and clumsy, just kind of let it go because I'm seeing them, they'll call it once and then they're just on it the whole game and it does cause the, the start and stop. In terms of the dunks and things like that, yeah, come on. you know, just We have to understand that in this country especially, we are also in the entertainment business. We have to understand that if we are going to compete with you know football, rugby, cricket, all these kind of very British and very ingrained sports, we have to embrace another area of that sport. And that's something that people love is that. So agree with the sentiment, maybe just not quite so aggressive. I think that that's just something <laughs> as a league, you know, it's not hanging a, an individual ref out to dry. I think just as a league, we need to look at a few things and think, okay, let's just, let's just stretch that slightly to give us more continuity because in in all honesty the times when i've seen 
the best games have been those Sky Sports games. Everybody's brought their A game and it seems mm. like the referees as a team have made that decision that they're going to try and get the best quality flow from those games and they are helping the product that we are seeing on Sky Sports. So there's got to be a positive and a negative to those things. Maybe a slightly bad call, but hey, overall, they've been really, really good this and, year. And you've been pretty consistent about that point, to be fair to yourself. You've said that from the very beginning. So yeah, uh, yeah. let don't, it flow. Let the game flow. Don't, don't back away from it for sure. Okay, so Glasgow Rocks. Obviously, the sad news of the release of Ronald Delph and Christian Keelan. There's a few things out there on social media that I will point out to you guys. It's important to say is that they're possibly looking at the fact that the visas ran out not necessarily that they've made the decision at this point. Can't confirm that. Those are the things that are out in the ether. Nevertheless, 80% of the season done. What do you think about this situation? Well, that's an interesting point because I didn't know that. I didn't hear that. I'm just now hearing that as we're here live. However, this is my argument to that. If Glasgow, for example, was in this position last year where they wanted to claim 80% of the trophy when the season came to an abrupt end. Do you think those Americans' visas would have been sorted? Would they have been sorted? Oh, yeah. yes. They would have yeah, been sorted. Course. It would have been yeah. a quick little trip to Ireland or something like that, and they would have been back. Yeah. Of course. Of course. So, <laughs> yeah. So, obviously, the circumstances has changed. But to our listeners from last week, you asked me a question about Ryan Richards and did he do Surrey the dirty? And what was my answer to that question? Oh, you were very cautious about that because you said there's two sides to the coin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I also said that at the end of the day, you have to do what's best for you because the team is going to be is going to do what's best for them. And ironically, a week later, we're in this situation. And I preface my comments by saying this. Firstly, we don't know exactly what those guys contract said. Obviously, you, you touched on the visa point as well. That could be very true. You know, there's a lot of different scenarios. You know, Gareth came on here early in our show, maybe episode five or six, and he talked about the main goal for the Glasgow Rocks this year was about survival, doing whatever they had to do to survive. And so I preference my comments by saying this reeks to me. It really does. Although I'm a player, so I'm always going to side with the player. But on the other side, I understand the business side of it. You know, I understand Uh, I'm in the background of how the Newcastle Eagles operate so I can see how an organization has to do what's best for them. And for the Glasgow Rocks, the bigger there's nothing bigger than the bigger picture for those guys right now, which is the future. Right. But for the overall league, it's bad. Here's a couple of reasons is that we always talk about how teams in Europe never take our league serious. And it's about the infrastructures, not necessarily the players, because you've heard many players come on here and say the talent level isn't really that different. It's the infrastructure of this league. It's bad for the credibility of the league. And then also think about this, right? We have a two-year deal with Sky Sports. Guess who's the main event on Sky Sports on Friday? Newcastle Eagles and Glasgow Rocks. Now, this is sports, so anything can happen. So I'm not saying that. There's no way that the Glasgow Rocks can win next week because they they can. But the point is, from an entertainment standpoint, from a viewership standpoint, the Glasgow Rocks are much better with Ron Delph and Christian Keeling in the lineup. And what's frustrating is I feel like they was just starting to get that momentum. 
they've been competitive for a while. You talked about how they've been playing really hard. They was able to get a great win against Manchester, nearly pulling the double, beating Surrey tonight. So they were trajecting up. And now to just pull the plug like that with their appearance on Sky Sports is just not great for the league. And so, you know, Gareth might be listening to this. Scott Skelly might be listening to this and be saying, you guys don't know what you're talking about. But we can only judge it on what we can see. And whatever the case is, I think it's not in the best interest of the British Basketball League. So to wrap up my point, that's why players have to do what you got to do. You got to go put yourself first, chase the money, whatever your ambition is, because at the end of the day, teams will do stuff like this. Yeah, great point. I, I don't have a ton to add to that situation. Like you said, we don't have the full picture. Maybe the announcement could have had a little bit more transparency. You're absolutely right. If this was a fourth place team, that visa issue is not an issue. So for me, that probably doesn't sit right. I can't imagine them being on huge contracts. So I can't imagine it being, you know, breaking them. So just to make that decision with the last little run-in of the season, it hurts the product. It hurts the product of the league because you're doing a disservice to those teams that they've got to play. That you know, they could be affecting somebody making the playoffs. Exactly. They could be affecting somebody making a run to get a higher seed in those playoffs. It just isn't fair any way you, you, you slice it. So if it was financial, they never should have signed those players in the first place and exactly. just rolled out the development. If it was other things that are behind the scenes, we apologize. But like for me, I just don't know what could come out of that that could make that move worth it. You know, if it was a big contracted player and things just haven't gone their way and stuff like that, then I, I totally get it. But, you know, I cannot imagine those guys garnering a lot of money I think those guys just wanted to play and put themselves in a window and I think they've done that Christian came in and was just real hot at the start Ronald was just starting to get going as we've seen player of the week nominees so I think for those guys I, th I think their careers are still at an exciting stage it doesn't look like to me anyway on social media that especially Christian is, is, is taking it that way loved him on our episode by the way so I think he is just that upbeat kid anyway so best of luck to them. Drew pretty much said everything, but just a bit frustrated with that situation. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. It changes the landscape of the league slightly. Yeah. You know, and credit to Christian Keeley. He put out a tweet, total professional, the way he handled that situation. I didn't see anything from Delph, but to your main point, if survival is the main thing for the Glasgow Rocks, they should have never signed him in the first place. Good point. Okay, let's raise the room a little bit here. T-shirt competition time. Now, I have spared no expense in finding an app that is going to work for us to pick these auto-generated picks just to make it nice and fair. We'll pick these five out. This will go out real time. I will contact those people and try and get their details and get you a t-shirt. Fantastic job. So here we go. Sound effects and all. Uh-oh, do we have? Who's the lucky winner? I hear the world spinning. We have... Okay, at Vicky Moo is our first winner. You win. Well done. We'll be getting a t-shirt out to you. Let's roll it again. Here we go.
<laughs> our man at Jake Nichols got himself a t-shirt. You win. Fantastic Shout job. Out. Shout Great out, job. Jake. That's Jake. a good one. There you go. Three more. I'm glad about right. that. That'll get everywhere. Enlim Electrics. You win. Okay. Okay. Good job to them. Congratulations. We got two more on deck. Two lucky winners from our competition. At Stephen M. Curtis. You win. Well done. You are getting a t-shirt. And last but not least, here we go. Andy Schotter. You win. So there we go. Five lucky winners of our t-shirts. Drew, you, you actually said this first. Can't believe how many people actually want to wear our t-shirt. That's I mean, absolutely I'm fantastic. absolutely shocked that so many people were interested <laughs> in having a t-shirt with our faces on there. But when something's free, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're, <laughs> we'll see what happens when we actually put it up on a site or something like that. You know, if, if, it's, if it's a sellout, then we'll really celebrate. But look, we will uh, attempt to make contact to get those addresses. Wear your t-shirts with pride. The first of many merch pieces coming your way. If you missed out, do not be sad. We will have more competitions coming your way soon. We got you. We got you. That's right. Okay. That is it for me this week. Appreciate you guys. As always, don't forget, if you have any spare change knocking around, come give us some support on Patreon. We will be announcing some really exciting Facebook Lives as an add-on to the podcast starting next week, which will be hosted in our Facebook private community page that you can access through the Patreon support, VIP treatment for the VIP fans. So thank you all for who entered the competition. If you missed out, there will be more coming your way. Drew, lead us out. And our Patreon, if you want to put it in perspective, it's one cup of coffee per month. You know, that's it. So just that uh, is right. instead we'll of drinking, is, instead of drinking eight, just drink seven. It's all good. But uh, we'll see you guys next week with Plymouth Raiders hot man, Ricky McGill. You don't want to miss it. Be sure to subscribe to the BBL show wherever you get your pods. But until then, be safe, keep warm and enjoy this extra hours of daylight. I love this time of year. And we'll see you guys next week on the show the show thanks for listening to the bbl show the bbl show is a 21 media original podcast produced by Corey mallory with your host jay marriott and drew lasker keep up to date with the show by following the bbl on twitter facebook and instagram where you can find details on future episodes events and fan interaction until next time